Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight to celebrate this 4 nothing victory is Josh Cacho. Josh, talk to um, me. Let's make sure that we get my title correct. I am the president of the Mamadou Fall fan club. Um, I think I think we're supposed to call you the Oracle. Yeah, for calling as, as so opposed early. to you, your presidential um, holdings of the Tristan Back Blackman fan, fan club. <laughs> so, no, I mean it's always much better to talk. I mean to come here after a win rather than a loss. Obviously, maybe not so much for. Uh, for ratings and listens because misery does love company but at the same time you know i definitely think it's one of those situations where you know we saw the team get back to the principles right more than anything i think like just the principles that that we've seen for the last few years um that they'd seemingly abandoned as of late and maybe it's just you know you have guys that are focused on the game and had a game in hand as opposed to looking out the window you know i don't know it, it just felt like a, a breath of fresh air comparatively to what we've been dealing with over the last, what, eight games now prior to this one. Yeah. Uh, I think eight games. Yeah. Um, been a, been a long time. So it, 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 it was awesome to see, like you said, because they're, they're bad. That was what we're used to seeing. Right. Um, although in a different shape with, highly rotated personnel it is what we're used to yeah but i think to be fair i think when you think about it with the rotated personnel i wonder if it's one of those things where you get back to basics you get back to what you know you're good Mm at as opposed to you know again it felt like again maybe with with rossi with you know feeling like he's got one foot out the door um, it's just pressing a little bit too hard. And again, you, there was moments where you just felt over the last few games where it's like people just trying to do a little bit too much. This one, it felt like, you know, like you saw the triangles, you saw the pass and move. That was probably the biggest thing that I comparatively to the previous game that I noticed was anytime you saw that initial pass made, the next guy was already moving. You know, yeah. Arango and, and, yeah. and Jennings are the prime examples of that because those guys were all over the field tonight. Um, and again, that's, it's a type of movement that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, like you're talking like the third man run, right. Where Mm -hmm. there's somebody already running off of the person who's about to receive the ball. Um, it was more dynamic through the midfield. I felt like, um, out of this three, five, two, I think it was more, I mean, it's, it's kind of quibbling over nothing, but. I'd probably call it more of a three, four, one, two, because I didn't think blessing and, and Edwards were pushing that high. Um, but I felt like those five players being Edwards, blessing Duke, Janela and Atuesta just combined so much more effectively than we've seen at all. Um, and then like you said, you have Arango and, and Jennings moving well off the ball as well to, you know, some the Duke gets on the ball and Jennings is already out to the right or Aron goes out to the left or vice versa. Uh, and then you have blessing overlapping. And so it did feel like there was a little more dynamism in the midfield. And uh, this is something we talked about for a long time. We keep going back to it, back to a year ago where we talked about so many of the midfielders just kind of standing around waiting for a ball to be played to their feet. Um, and that was not the case tonight. Uh, 
not on offense, not on defense. So it was, it was really encouraging to see that. And like you said, to see it out of this rotated squad, it's, uh, it raises the question, um, is there somebody on like the, the typical starting squad that needs to sit down as a result of this? Were these guys just hungry because now they finally had an opportunity um, and they they, str- they grabbed it with a stranglehold? Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how they how they fare next week against uh, RSL. So, yeah, I mean, I think there there was a little bit of change in approach, right? Because I think typically what we've seen from we typically see is even when they pre- you know like obviously we've the the press has been synonymous with how. LAFC play this game. But I think what seems to be a little bit differently was they, I think SKC expected to have the majority of possession in this game and LAFC was more than happy to give it up. Right. And then it was more just pure counter pressing and right. Emphasis on the counter. Right. Yeah. So you yeah. saw a lot of like, they would close the ball down hard. You'd see that ball. They, you'd see that long ball that, you know, that we're trying to create. We'd pull it down and then immediately we're off to the races, right? Mm-hmm. It was one ball out to the wing, right? And then, you know, so it was like, at, it'd be at Tuesta, the blessing, back to Duke, and then Duke hits that, the final ball kind of yeah. thing. Or if the ball recycles back to Atuesta, then he hits the, the switch, and then it starts over back there, yeah. right? That kind of thing. So you had more, the lateral, the in buildup, LAFC put, was creating lateral stress early on, as opposed to late where you see like the run down to the side and then, you know, that, you know, like, and cut, you know, hit the cut, the cut back cross back into the middle of play. Not as much of that, as much as you saw probably more, a lot of like, again, like I said, it's create the, hit the early switch and then hit that ball. Once you, once you've invited um, SKC onto it, as opposed to, you know, like I said, typically we're we're passing and we're trying to pass around. We're trying to do a lot of possession, you know, that type of thing. I didn't really feel like they wanted to, you know, given the you know given the personnel, some of these things. I didn't get the sense that they were wanting to do these long, exaggerated build up, right? The way we've seen in the past, where it's you know seventy five passes leading to you know mm-hmm. ex, an ex super high xG, but no actual goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, LAFC lost the possession battle 59 to 41. I just looked at it here. Uh, and a lot of that possession that LAFC did have was after the Espinosa red card, right? So mm-hmm. SKC go down to 10 men in, I think, the 58th minute. And so LAFC then enjoyed the lion's share of possession for the next 32. Um, so, I mean, that's a that's kind of a startling number when you consider it. Uh, now, even though they only had 41% of possession, they still got 15 shots on goal and more than 50% of those are, sorry, 15 shots total and more than 50% being eight on goal, um, which is far different than we've seen all year. I don't think we've mm-hmm. seen shots on target at that percentage rate all year. I'm I not sure we hit look, double but- I'm not sure we've hit double digits on shots on target. We've had, you know, mm. 15 to 20, sometimes 25 shots taken, yeah. but whether or not most of, you know, I think it's like usually like four to five that were on target, right? Mm-hmm. Today, it just felt like everything, anything they put in 
was going to give someone trouble, you know, and again, yeah. Melia, Melia was generally there for some of the other ones, but you know, again, they, they look, they look gold dangerous in a way that they haven't in a while. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is if the, if the buildup gets back to what we've seen in the past in terms of, you know, again, less exaggerated possession, but more, you know, more of the, it's the pass and move philosophy as opposed to using, you, you know, we're, we're, we're looked a little bit more like the L tree possession, right. Mm-hmm. In um, that we've seen it where like, you know, L tree will have what 70%, 60, 70% possession and then score one goal. Right. If that, yeah. at times. I think they had 79 against Jamaica. Absolutely. Right. And just you win yesterday. two and you win two, one. Right. But yeah, yeah. because a lot of it is just recycling and not a lot of movement. It's just you trying to kind of find little spaces. Yeah. Whereas this was very much like it's pass, it's move and it gets the defense moving in a way. And especially when they're pushing forward to try and press a team that's un, you know, that's undermanned right now, you're going to catch them out. And that's means mm-hmm. I think LAFC took the tactics that they set up in tonight, took full advantage of what I think X, X, what SKC was expecting us to do, you know, and then you know, and then us kind of baiting them into it, and then giving them something completely different that yeah. they weren't quite prepared yeah. for. I do want to talk a bit about this this three four one two that they ran. Um, it ends up being kind of an inverted triangle with Janela and Atuesta as the base and then Duke as the 10 as a pure 10. And I thought this midfield was sensational all around. Um, uh, defensive presence, his outlet passing Duke, uh, was great in the press. He was phenomenal with his injury passes, threaded balls, switched balls. I mean, he hit so many different passes. His touch is so silky. Um, to the point where like other players aren't always ready for it. There was one sequence where he touches a ball back to blessing. Uh, that's off. A, I think it comes from fall. It's like a big switch towards the right side and he touches it back to blessing and blessing is not ready to handle the ball. <laughs> like he's just not expecting it to arrive there so quickly. First time. Um, this midfield was a lot of fun to watch for a lot of different reasons. Janela, his, his ability on the ball in tight space and then finding outlet passes is fantastic. And I think he is really well served by having uh, Latif Blessing right there. So a, as a wing back, just kind of flanking him. And when I look back at what I liked about Janela first watching him, he was playing in essentially a bank of four in uh, in Uruguay's 4-4-2 in the U-20 World Cup, right? So he's got a right winger right there. Um that he can that he can combine with, and I don't know that he always has that when he plays a four three three, especially if he's going to be the uh, at the you know at the base of of a of a midfield trio um, as a lone six. So I thought he looked really comfortable, and again, Bryce Duke was just immense tonight. I assume he'll make team of the week based on the number of hockey assists and just his overall dominance in the midfield. I thought it was interesting also that he was marking. I don't know which midfielder it was, but sometimes he would step into the press. I'm trying to figure it out here. It must have been Maori, um, that he sometimes he would step up into the press and they'd press like out of a three four three, and other times he'd drop back and mark in the midfield 
just kind of man mark that entry pass into the midfield. But uh, he was spectacular tonight. All right. Like, I think defensively, this is probably the best we've looked in a while. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have the three the three guys at the back that now look incredibly comfortable playing next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And all three of them are very comfortable with the ball at the feet. Again, sometimes with Mario, you're a little bit worried when he tries to play the ball at his feet a little bit too much. But especially with Fall, right? Like, at this point, I'm never surprised when he's able to, you know, to turn someone and then hit a nice... He had a nice ball over the top to someone on a, on a yeah. crossfield switch, right? That I mean, that's why I think at times he's played left back when he was coming up with Las Vegas, mm-hmm. even at times, right? So he has the feet to do it, and I think with that stability. And then the one thing that I found interesting was like, like you, I think you mentioned earlier, neither Edwards nor Blessing were 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 pushing up super high, right? In the in the attack, mm-hmm. what you almost saw them do was almost play inverted, right, to cover underneath. Underneath Atuesta and um, underneath Janella. Atuesta and Janela, and yeah. so it was this kind of weird thing where you know typically right in at least what you've seen from teams like Liverpool, right, is in their four three three you'll see the the um, the midfield is the one that that will pinch in and kind of c- to cover for the the advancing fullbacks, mm-hmm. right? They kind of drop off, they'll play into the space behind, you know, kind of in that that that's half that space in between the lane that the fullback just vacated and then where they were earlier. Right. Um, or in the half space essentially. But what I think you saw a little bit differently this way was a kind of a weird combination of what, what Pep has his, his fullbacks do where they they're pinching in, but then that allowed the mid, the three midfielders or yeah, the three midfielders, you know, you see, you see Janela and Atuesta get wide, get moving. They can be out of position. They can do a bunch of stuff. They're kind of in more free roles, mm-hmm. knowing that you have those two guys underneath there that are going to close down and press immediately after, yeah. you know, a loss of possession. Because I think that's what you saw. Like, if if Janela and or Atuesta got in trouble, the f- next thing you see was, you know, either, um, you know, either... Raheem Edwards or Blessing closing down immediately, trying to t- take mm-hmm. the ball off someone, right? As opposed to typically, like, they're trying to get forward to provide service. But again, those aren't guys that are very good at that, right? That's not their game. Their game mm-hmm. is energy, it's pressure, it's doing those little things like that. And I think it worked well and allowed the, th- the guys up front, who are, those are probably th- th- three of our best passers on the team, you know? Yeah. Right? To just really I would say just do the that. three best, yes. Yeah, like those three could those three guys, you know, what they may lack defensively was taken care of so those guys can focus solely on distributing. And yeah. again, when you have got the way that Arango and Jennings were working the first half and then and I think Moose was kind of came in there second to mainly hold up play and get let Arango run off of him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it gives you just a, a multitude of options, right? I think it was just one of those things where you saw you saw them you know, come up with that creativity in that we didn't have when Vela and Rossi had been on previously. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, to your point about them playing much further back, being Blessing and Edwards um, and kind of inverting a little bit at the beginning of the match, I wasn't really sure what they were, what they were doing because I kept seeing Edwards so far central that I was wondering if he was played as a midfielder and then Blessing was, playing in you know more more of like a traditional fullback spot so 
at first I was a little bit confused. Like, are they in a back four here and, or are they in a back three and it's kind of like tilted towards Edward's side and he's the one that's getting forward. But I do agree that they just weren't asked to be super involved. It was more of a back five, if you will, than like the back three that we sometimes expect when we see these formations. And then like you said, so now they pinch inside and help cover for the midfielders who are just allowed to to move and and go create. The other part of this that I think worked really well is that Bryce Duke read both uh, Arango and, and Jennings and then Musavsky really well. So he would just pop up where he needed to, either in the press or in the attack. He's He's making runs off of those two wherever they were needed. So, I mean, this is a combination that worked surprisingly well. And if anybody, like, if there's an LAFC fan out there that thought that they were going to win 4 0 today um, with this squad, like, please raise your hand and show yourself because that was quite the call. But I don't think any of us had this one pegged. No, I mean, I, I expected to lose, but for Mamadou Fall to play well, that's that's basically yeah. <laughs> what I expect for, I've been so, thinking I mean, since, since the last, since the last time we got swamped by, by SKC. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about these goals. Three of them do not come from open play, which is okay because in open play, they still look dominant. It wasn't like they were, again, they were, they were ceding possession to SKC, but it's not like they were out of the game or, or being uh, embarrassed or outpossessed in, in such a manner. But um, so they, they get the first one off of a corner. Mamadou Fall gets a, gets a header on a corner. Uh, and I think, I think all of us were just thrilled to see that happen after what happened to him in Atlanta, but with it, with his goal being wiped out, then into the second half we go and Roger Espinosa just tramples on Arango's foot. He like pulls on his jersey to pull him back, and then I do, again I don't think it's intentional, but he, it's a bad stomp. Stomps on Arango's ankle, gets the red, and then on that free no, it wasn't that free kick. It, that's not the free no. kick they scored on. I think it was like two minutes later after the ball is cleared, they get they win mm-hmm. another free kick and Mamadou fall again, open header in the box uh, across the face of goal. Um, when was the I was. Is Walker Zimmerman the last one that we saw get two goals in a game? I believe so. I mean, because I think I think Segura has you know barely notches any goals, you know, I let think alone Blackman a brace. May have had two at some point in last. Year. Maybe I'm thinking he had two goals in like two games. Maybe I don't know. He but, had two goals scored on him in a game. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, but I, it's got to be Zimmerman that had the last brace as a defender. So, I mean, just incredible from from fall. The second one is right in front of the 32-52. Uh, he jumps up onto a capo stand, and it's just mayhem. Uh, puts on a, a sombrero. And I, have you seen the picture yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful picture. There's like purple lighting on the, like reflecting yeah. off the white jersey. It's incredible. It's incredible. No, um, I mean, and... The thing about it is, like, he he just kind of out athletics everyone on that play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he goes up to, to where he's probably the only guy who can go and get it, and mm-hmm. and makes people pay. And again, if there's something that we can can continue to to count on, and again, he's so good on the ball, 
um, in terms of just having just sweet touch and just that yeah. ability that you have to wonder if this is some, you know, that is this something that we're going to continue to see, um, you know, as they move forward. Uh, he is when we've, when we've talked about, you have to have the right type of center back to play in a three man back line. He is that kind of center back. Like he can easily play as a left center back who can beat people on the dribble who can distribute exceptionally well, yet still defend one-on-one. Uh, he's got it all. He's incredible. And again, so just to let you know, Josh called he's, it. But. He's Tim Ream. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Tim Ream without the calves, but yeah. sure. And also athletic. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. Um, the third goal, let's see. The third goal is... Arango's right, and this is a little yeah. slip pass from Bryce Duke, who's who pops up out on the wing. I think Blessing plays Duke in, and then Duke hits this little through ball to Musovski um, at kind of a crazy angle, perfectly weighted. Musovski chips it over to to Arango, who who does what a striker should do and puts it in the back of the net. Um, and then the last one is the penalty that that Musovski earns and. Yeah. Atuesta finishes. And Atuesta finishes. I would have loved to have seen Fall or Bryce Duke take this. You understand why it's Atuesta, of course, but um would have been awesome to see one of those two take that one. But uh so yeah, four goals. One again, only the one from open play, but it it's not like during open play they looked poor and then we just happened to get lucky on a couple set pieces. Like they looked dangerous the entire ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there are several opportunities where you see them just find spaces and find opportunities to hit guys, you know, in, in good in good spots, right? Yeah. I think that something that we hadn't seen previously was them actually able to find guys in goal danger situations or, or guys just pressing to try and get there, right? Like, you know, I think what we had seen a lot of is like what, what um, Brian Rodriguez did the other day, right, where it's just... Mm-hmm wonderful individual effort that leads yeah, to yeah. an amazing goal, right? Like no one can doubt how awesome that goal was. It's probably the best goal we've seen from this team, right? And mm-hmm. likely, you know, and should be goal of goal of the year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, but again, that's an individual effort, right? It's him just kind of taking over. There wasn't much, you know, there wasn't much that the team did together to, to score that goal, right? It's mainly that's LAFC what? pressing, right? That's them yeah. pressing and trying, like these individuals trying to be the guy that finally lights mm-hmm. the spark. Yeah, and we've and we've seen that for a while, right? It's it's and in part of me thinks that that's why the the sharpness hadn't seen you know hadn't seemed to be quite there yet, right? Because you have Rosie just trying a little bit too hard, and you know yeah. we know we all know he goes on these hot had gone on these hot streaks, um, and again you know previous Brian Rodriguez, right? Always just trying to do a little bit too much. You know, again, was it because he has Europe on his mind? Who knows, right? But yeah, I mean, and you can extend that, like Carlos Vela getting on the ball, never giving it up, always trying to get onto his left foot right at the top of the box. Mark Anthony K playing those balls in uh, from too far back in midfield and and not being able to hit them. Blessing dancing around on the ball far too much. Like you can go, you can go all the way down the, the formation and just pinpoint guys that have been pressing so hard to try and be the ones that, that make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And you applaud, you know, the, those guys to a certain degree, right. 
trying to do what they can to spark the team. <clears throat> Yet at the same time, right? It given the style at which we play, it puts people in bad situations when you try to do it yeah. a little bit too much, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and that goes for how the fullbacks play, how the midfielders are set up, right? You know, like you know, we always go back to that one time when we were watching. I think it was Atlanta and Blessing tried to one time a ball when he's the safety valve. Yeah. Right? And again, yeah. it's like, why would you even try to hit that ball given what your responsibilities are? Right. Mm-hmm. But that that comes with the territory to be to a certain degree of of being successful is everyone trying to hit that trying to hit that home run. Yeah. You yeah. know, and rather than, you know, death by a thousand cuts or just again to go back to the baseball references, but just hitting singles. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. Pull, just uh, yeah. I mean, the blessing one, right, is a perfect example. Just live to fight another day or, yeah. you know, uh, take, take, recycle a pass just to kind of reset and make sure that you're not wasting all these opportunities. So I 100% agree. Um, Josh, is there anybody who you think played their way into the starting lineup that wasn't previously there? I think the obvious answer is fall, but I mean, he's, he's been he's starting been a starter for three or four games now. So, I mean, the thing is, Bryce Duke is probably the one that makes the strongest case in terms of just how well he was passing. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I don't know who you take out, right? Like, Sifu, because it's Sifu, right? In that same position. Yeah, Sifu or Blessing. Yeah. yeah. And Sifu's yeah. been a monster. And I think you need, given, given the preference of Atuesta and seafood to get forward you need someone who's going to now do the dirty work and that's always what blessing gives you so again it i think it's a good problem to have right guys are deserving guys are pressing guys are doing good things right but if you can't fit them into the lineup and you need them to now instead come in and make an be an impact sub at least now you know what you're going to get from those same guys right so yeah maybe they don't start but you know that in the 75th minute you you know if if they if the offense is stalled a little bit, you know, you can bring in a Bryce Duke for, you know, for Sifu or for blessing and you're yeah. going to get more smoothness and, you know, and, and smooth play on the ball. And then if you need that final ball, that's maybe not penetrating, you know, you know, especially when teams have parked the bus, you know, he's the perfect guy to bring in in those moments. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, the pure 10 has become a bit of a luxury position in modern football. The mm-hmm. problem is, you know, again, with, you know, for as well as Duke has played in those moments is that from a physical standpoint, whether it's defensively or just in hold up play, he just, again, it's just too small, right. To really, to mm. really hang tight, mm. you know, cause again, what, you know, Latif is so low to the ground, but he's also kind of, he's pretty thick. So when guys try to take off him, you know, he doesn't, he's still not really going to give it up. You'll often see Duke just get floored by defenders at times in the game. And, Again, if the ref isn't isn't on top of it and isn't calling it and, and it's not going in his favor, then it's a become it becomes problematic, right? As opposed to yeah. today where he was picking up the ball, he was never really in danger of having to be physical. It was you know, you would see Atuesta blessing Janela in a couple you know, invite the pressure and when that pressure comes on, then you have Duke in space who can now turn you know, make mm-hmm. the turn with no one there, right? And then try to and you know, and then now operate. Um, which is a lot different than doing it in a tight space, right? You know, we've often yeah, talked about yeah. Atuesta being a better passer when he, you know, or even K, right? When when they have time to pick the ball, look, you know, when they have time to pick up the ball in space before the de- defense has a chance to close down, 
right? Atuesta is press resistant, but again, his passing declines a lot more so when he's actually f- facing, you know, facing the opponent's goal as opposed to when he's playing with his back to goal and can kind of feel things and then now and then now start the cycle of play. Yeah. I think I think you are right that Duke is much more of the prototypical 10 um and that's not exactly what LAFC are looking for most of the time. He hasn't looked as strong in that sort of 8-10 role at, in the 4-3-3. Um, and you are right. I mean, you either have to take off Sifu or, or Blessing. Unless you decide that Blessing is going to start playing more wing back in this back three, uh, which I still have problems with because I still think your depth at center back is not strong enough to play this uh, three-man back line all that consistently, unless Tristan Blackman really is the guy. And I don't know, we saw Jordan Harvey tonight, so maybe maybe he actually has minutes in his legs. I, I don't know. But if your center backs are just Fall, Mario, and Ibiga, Ibeaga, do we know how to say that yet? I don't. I, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't hear it on the I'm going to go with Ibiga so. for now. If anybody knows, please let me know if I'm saying it wrong. Um if those are the only three center backs, and again, I'm still not convinced that Tristan Blackman is ever going to be a center back. Uh, I think right center back is okay for him, but uh, he just always looks like a fullback to me. Um, so I'd, I'd be worried about continuously playing this three-man back line because of the same injury risks that we've been running all year at that position. I mean, the only reason is even here is because Eddie Segura went down and it was an absolute emergency. Um, So this is a kind of a roundabout way of saying, I don't exactly know how you get Bryce Duke on the field in that position, unless you go to like a four, two, three, one um, where you're playing with that same inverted midfield or um, you, I mean, he's, you're not going to play him as a false nine. Um, And then the other thing I would say is if you trotted out this same 11 next week against, uh, RSL, I'd be fine with it. But when Vela comes back, when Rodriguez comes back, when Sifu comes back, you know that they're probably going to go back to four three three, And so it's a matter of how does Duke fit in uh, with that with that system. And I don't know if that's totally clear yet. So I do agree. It's, it's hard to know if he's going to be the starter um, because you just, we still don't know enough about this team in terms of how are they going to line up and where yeah. does everybody fit? I mean, I think the the weird thing is, I f- I feel like the attempt the attempted evolution was to turn the team into a hybrid of like I said, like a Liverpool City hybrid, right? In terms of how they mm-hmm. play, they they attempt their build up. But what you ended up getting was something in the middle that wasn't good at either one, right? Yeah. Your fullbacks yeah. weren't good enough to cross, and your midfield wasn't your midfield wasn't attacking enough to be able to find the spot. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, I think one of the things you have to look, look at in this, like in today's game, right? When you're playing again, instead of the three at the back, they played essentially a five at the back. Right. And then yeah. it just allowed the midfield to be a little bit more free. Right. Cause you had those fullbacks pitch again, which is more of that, that city, you know, that city type of approach to it where, you know, your wingers are going to play out super wide. Right, and then your midfield is the one that creates in the middle, gets into the half space with your forwards kind of working in there, yeah. um, with with that with a pure ten in there. Right, they they're able to kind of drop in, find you know, 
take you know again because Atlas and Janelle are absorbing most of most, most of the pressure. Now he's you know Duke's finding that opportunity. So I think again it kind of just it depends on what you what the overall outlook of the team is moving forward. Like what are your goals? What are you trying to do? I think given given that there's no incentive for f- finishing poorly. Right, you know, we're not in the NFL, we're not in the NBA, you know, in the mm-hmm, NBA mm-hmm. where you can tank and then end up with the best player coming in next year. Like, no one generally cares about the the super draft, right? There's a chance that we maybe we should care a little bit more given some of the products that we've seen come out of there. You know, for DK being the prime example, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, I think moving forward, they're going to have to figure out. Again, I think there, a decision has to be made in terms of developing even more of an identity to go beyond. Like I said, we've had more of a. I think they've they've had more of a. You know, like so far, it's possession and counter press, right? Is what the two th- the two things we've seen from from LAFC. But given your personnel, given what I think the what you can do in the long run with it, you know, again, going to something where your fullbacks are a little bit more defensive and then which frees the offense up to not actually have to do a ton of midfield buildup. I think what we saw a lot of these last couple of weeks was Vela and or Rossi dropping so far into the midfield to help with buildup. Yeah. Right? Whereas if, if you're defensively stable, even if you're in a, you know, if you're, even if you're playing a four, three, three, right. And you have your, your fullbacks pinch in and play a little bit more defensive. Now everyone ahead, you know, like see your wingers are probably out a little bit wider, probably at the at the right at the line and then cutting in mm-hmm. at speed, you know, and then you have the midfielders like I said, in this case it's probably likely gonna be Sifu, you know, and and blessing kind of entering to the half space trying to make things different things happen. Right. It's just again, I think the biggest thing has to be that they have to decide who they are and what they want them ultimately gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've got they got they had gotten away from that a little bit too much in trying to be something that I'm not sure they were prepared to become mm-hmm. right? as opposed to, you know, I think it felt like it was, they're going, they kind of played into what, what the media wanted them, wanted them to be as opposed to sticking to what had got you there. Yeah. I think it's a fair point that and it's, it's still troubling, right? That we still, after all this time, this season, don't know who LAFC are and what they're trying to do exactly. Um, because it's been unclear all season. Now you finally see something tonight where it's like, okay, this is a complete performance uh, and you managed to do it without any DPs, without, without several people who normally start. Um, so there's, there's some building blocks there um, that you can take. But I think you are right. You have to decide what, what are we going to do moving forward? How do we keep this with and still integrate all these players who are who are and should be starters uh, so that it all works together. So uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next week and a half what what happens if they can continue building on this or if this was just a fluke. Um, I guess only time will tell. All right. You ready to get any questions, Josh? You got anything else? No, let's do it. Okay. Um, so... Uh, Start, I'll start with a prompt here because some of some of these responses are exactly are, are like express responses to it. Let's hear your thoughts on what the difference was tonight. Lionel Hutz at from Cheap Seat 
LOL, who the hell knows anymore? SKC looked like they didn't know what to expect. Maybe that's the takeaway. Stop being predictable. Um, which is something that you and I have talked about for a long time, right? That staleness in the midfield, especially was utterly predictable. They knew exactly where the ball was going into the midfield and where it would be spit out, right? They'd always be looking for that pass between the fullback and the center back, but I don't know. Anything else on this one, Josh? The idea of passing, you know, the principle that we've adhered to, you know, that they're, they've been attempting to adhere to was pass and move, right? Pass immediately move, become that third runner, um, those types of things. And I think, when you execute that properly, you, the patterns aren't stale because the patterns are just coming based on what movement happened previously. What I, I think what had happened yeah. is that they had gotten away, you know, in having gotten away from some of their principles in trying to press a little bit too much, not counter press, but actually just like press physically, uh, press, press the issue. Um, you see, you see some of those things kind of, um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of notice those little things like that, right? In terms of what they're trying to do um, and what they could do differently. So, yeah. All right. Next one is kind of a fun one, Josh. This is from uh, somebody that is clearly an SKC fan. Uh, handle is Lemming Wrestling is an amusing career at Pele 57753014. Drew Fisher can't win every match for you. It would make it too obvious. Uh, what I think is funny about this one, Josh, first is that we've apparently arrived in Kansas City now. Yeah. Um, hello, Missouri. How are you? Um, I also think it's funny that a lot of these goals are really independent of the ref, or at least two of them are, right? Where you have the first goal off a corner, Um so unless you're disputing that the corner was not given appropriately and that it should have been a goal kick, I don't know what you're complaining about. Uh, the second goal is from a free kick, so you can complain about that. You can complain about the red card. Um, I would argue that you don't know the laws of the game because that is pretty a pretty clear-cut red card uh, in terms of violent conduct where you just stomp on a guy's leg as he's running away from you again, intent doesn't matter here. Lemming wrestling handle. So you're going to have to have a better explanation for us than, than that. Um, and then, you know, there's one from open play and there's a penalty given after a striker isn't able to get a shot off because he's fouled. So, um, you can dispute two goals and give two goals to the ref, but you're still losing two nothing. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, if there was ever a ref that that you would say favors FC, it's definitely not Fisher, right? Yeah. He's one that I'm. I'm always like, man, this guy needs to get control of this game, or I mean, just get control of the game early on, right? And he yeah. never seems to. Um, the one I always prefer is what's his name, uh, Robert Sabiga, the yeah. big ball guy, because yeah. I feel like he's one that just you know just kind of gets gets in control of these physical games real early, you know, and right. is pretty straightforward. Um, so I don't know, but you know, again, what would you expect from a lemming wrestler? Yeah. I mean, LAFC committed 15 fouls in this game, had 15 fouls blown compared to SKC's five. So I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you say? What are you talking about here? 
it ha- I mean, I, I it's got to be the red card, right? But again, yeah. you're already down one nothing at that point. So, um, and again, as I mentioned, violent conduct is violent conduct. So, what do you want? Oh. All right, moving on to the next one: somber Amareth at somber Amareth. That was the kind of fight this team has needed all season. It's a treat to have an aerial threat on the team. Fall is special. It was good to see Chicho score. I hope this game opens the floodgates. Blessing needs a new contract. He is our Swiss Army knife. What a game! Two things I want to talk about here, real quick, is this. Like you said earlier, this like the team came out fighting um, from the beginning, uh, and whether that's because they are young and looking for a spot on the team, or that they're fed up with the losing, or I, I'm not really sure. But it was good to see that. And Blessing is a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I mean he's he can be deployed almost anywhere and, and be effective. So he's he's great to have. Yeah, I mean, pay the man, um, you know. But at the same time, I think when you look at the whole thing, right? It, I think the one thing that you could say it, that's different from other things is you, again, it's just you just don't have people pressing, you know. Yeah. Um, for for results that are independent of the team's success, right? This one just felt like everyone was just there to do what they do their job right and they were doing it with some hustle because I, I don't think they you know again as professionals as as competitors right they're not going to you know i'm sure they heard the noise about you know you know like the seems they wiped off the floor again the way that they did a month ago right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know i'm sure they took issue to some the way things were going and at that point right it's just a matter of you know th- those guys now executing the game plan and sticking to the principles that have brought this team success thus far yeah yeah okay next one the shoulder to shoulder podcast are you as elated as we are to finally have a re a win to recap love the show boys keep up the killer work hashtag lafc pod fam first of all thank you uh for listening and it is it is better to recap wins i feel like uh oftentimes people may miscast us as as negative or as down on the team or haters um but you know when the team is losing people people listen to podcasts and they talk to their friends uh and they get on twitter because most of us are trying to figure out what is going on and why we're losing right so it's like a it's both a form of of therapy for some people and also it's people trying to explain what is going on and when things are bad we're going to explain what is going on like what's going wrong we're not going to come on here and sugarcoat it, and we're not going to tell you everything's fine, even though they're winless in eight. So it does it does get tiring sometimes to have to talk about all these losses. It is much better to come on here and talk about what's working right and about all the positive things. And for me, just to tweet about Bryce Duke owning people all night. Yeah, I mean, I think we had started to feel and sound like a broken record, right, in terms of... Because especially because yeah, the mistakes yeah. that were being made and the things that we were critical of have been the same thing, right? Yeah. And not just this season, for the last couple of years. They've been the right? same Since- problems that have been going on. And then they just all, like, it all came to a head and they weren't able to, they weren't able to paper over it with, like, an, a ridiculous amount of goals anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, when the goals dry up, the the... the the holes in your game and right and the, and the weaknesses that had been there yeah. um that will now become way far more apparent right and those are just things that 
and obviously again misery loves company and people want to go through those things but again it you know to their point again it is it is a lot more fun to now look at and analyze why we were that much more successful yes, and the things yes. that we did well as, as opposed to the opposite. Right. And I think there's still little things that we can improve on. So be it. But again, in, in this particular game, given the odds against us and what the expectation was, Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Jonathan at Boozology, who needs DPs? Not Bryce Duke and Mamadou fall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you look at how this game went, right? It's 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 MLS two three point whatever they want to call it, right? It's it's a mm-hmm. move away from the MLS that saw you know the David Beckham signing and superstars kind of you know take hold of the league, right? And we saw you know, and even though obviously you had Carlos Vela and Joseph Martinez really carry the league you know, in, in that 2019 season in terms of what they were doing from a scoring standpoint. I think this is this is proof of the Seattle model being probably the best one to succeed in mm. terms of having mm-hmm. having a second division team that can develop guys that can be ready to play at a moment's notice, right? These are the mm-hmm. games that Seattle is always expected to lose because they have like five people available and then a bunch of right. academy guys and somehow they manage a result, right? Maybe not a win, yeah. but they're getting draws against teams that they have no business drawing against because their academy guys are so locked in from the very beginning. And obviously some of these guys aren't necessarily academy guys, but they're, they are playing with the USL team, which just gives them that valuable experience of having played together, right? Like Bryce Duke knows exactly where Danny Musopsi is going to be in the runs he's going to make. Same thing with Cal mm-hmm. Jennings. Right, maybe an adjustment to to Arango, but the other guys, right? He that's maybe why you see right the initial ball on Arango go even right the initial ball go into Musafi because you know again Duke knows exactly how much to put on it, you know. Yeah, to he get knows it exactly to him. the speed he, that Musafi mm-hmm. running right, and and that's yeah. often the thing, right? It's like when you're used to Diego Rossi, the the change in speed is far, you know, it's a, it's a drastic fall off from Rossi to, to Musovsky. So, right. Not everyone yeah. can wait that pass properly, but you see that familiarity really kind of, kind of come in and play a, a role. Um, and then it now open up because again, now it's a simple cutback for Arango to finish. And so yeah. I think, you know, it, it goes along, you know, having that, that setup in the organization goes a long way, you know, to now being successful in these moments that, you may or may not, sh- you know, maybe you shouldn't be successful given the how the rosters are heavily weighted towards DPs being in a right. being a crucial part of your success. Um. So what you're describing is something that that Barcelona describes as one of their as one of their four superiorities when you talk about like their philosophy on how to build a team. They, they'll tell you about three about four different superiorities. Uh, positional, numerical, one of them is social. And it's the idea that kids grow up in La Masia, right? And they they play forever together. Xavi, Busquets, uh, Iniesta, Messi, they all grew up in Barca together and they played for 10 years before they were on the first team. So by the time they got to the first division and on the first team, they had already been playing forever. They already knew each other inside and out. And so in a small way, I think this is what you're talking about, where they're they're playing in meaningful games against professionals 
week in and week out with Las Vegas. And they're, they're learning those, you know, they're learning how to gauge each other's speed. They're learning what runs Moose likes to make versus Jennings versus Torres, for example. Um, so I, I do think that social superiority is, is something that, that is important. Yeah. I but, mean, and, and, and Barcelona's move away from that has also led to their downfall, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the fact that they haven't really dug into that, you know, pulled from the well of La, of La Masia is a big part of why, you know, they're in the trouble they are because they, they brought in guys, you know, again, and thankfully for Liverpool, they're brought in guys like Coutinho, right, for yeah. absurd amounts of money and expected it all to fit. You know, like, again, like the Galactico model is one that like, that has its place right? and has mm-hmm. won a lot of games. But even even... Like, for example, like, look at Real Madrid, right? The reason why they were winning those things, you know, all those UCLs in a row was a lot of times because those guys had just been around together for a long time, right? It's that familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You have that core of Modric. Benzema, Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. Modric. Modric. Kroos. Yeah. Ramos is there, right? Marcelo's there. Your spine is intact at all times, yeah. and where the spine goes, the rest of the body follows. And this is coming from a physical therapist and a guy who sells spines for a living, right? <laughs> so, you know, that is true. <laughs> you know, when we when you think about it, it's like if if you don't have that backbone, right, the rest of it falls apart. And when you look at the way LAFC have been this year, right, the backbone hasn't always been intact, right? Yeah. You've had guys yeah. that have been a big part of it that have been missing. For, for times of the year, whether it be Carlos Vela, whether it be Diego Rossi, whether it be Rodriguez. I mean, Rodriguez is probably more of like a branch or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Segura going down, you have, you know, again, at, you know, just, just guys that just haven't been available in there. And when you're when you're changing parts of your spine, right, you're going to expect a little bit of a rocky start. But if you can build a spine from within that doesn't cost a lot of money, now you can afford to have nice fancy silverware on the outside, right? That yeah. that you know that, that's icing on the cake, right? It's Raul Ruiz Diaz that comes in and scores amazing goals because he doesn't have to worry about because everyone else knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you just have that day in, day out grind of everyone kind of working together and doing their thing. So I mean this is like what people praise Brian Smesher for, right? It's not that he like does these Pep Guardiola tactical masterpieces. It's that he puts, he finds, he figures out a way to get the best 11 on the field consistently and enables them to, to play well and to play their best game. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like he, he's stubborn, but in a very different way than you would expect from a coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all right. Enough talk about Seattle. Screw those guys. All right. Next one. Unpopular football lover at foot fanatica. The difference was Harvey coming on to help close out the game for once. <laughs> I, I I will say that I was relieved to see Harvey. I mean, I think it's a, a solely a factor of only having four outfield players to to draw from, unless you're going to put a, a regular shirt on Cisniega and let him come out and play center back. But um, it, it was encouraging to see him. I mean, he's been, I think he's only been in one other game at this point, and he's still on the roster, so whatever anything on harvey josh maybe he's that veteran president they've needed at the end of the game to just calm everyone down you know like i said don't get too excited let's finish this one out yeah marshal everyone together get everyone where they needs to be and then call it a day yep 
Christopher Colonna at LAFC 2021. There's quite a few here. Wait, wait, wait. We finally won, and we scored not one but two goals off of corner kicks. And for once, we kept a lead, and we got a shutout, and we did it while missing 14 players. What is this sorcery? Figures it would be it would ha- it should happen tonight of all nights. I don't understand MLS sometimes. For uh, but for real though, is this LAFC's most impressive win given the circumstances? If not, which wins would you put above it? Um, I think the win against Galaxy in the playoffs is bigger. Um, just because you finally exercise that demon, it's in the playoffs. Uh, it's a 5-3. You send away Ibrahimovic. I think the game against Leon is bigger because of the way that you come back and it's a 3-0 win um, and you advance in CCL. Maybe San Jose, the 5-1 San Jose, but I'm not sure. What about you, Josh? I mean, I think Leon is the the big one for me, right? Coming yeah. you know, After going down there, the hype, everything, and then to come back to the bank and that place just ready to explode and then does when Rossi just hits you know, hits his shot. And yeah, like yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever been in a more insane environment yeah, yeah. Than, that, than that particular game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's probably it for me, but you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, right. It, again, I think to a weird, you know, it's strange to say that it's addition by subtraction, right. Yeah. In this yeah. one. Right. And I mean, this is, this is a team win. This wasn't, this wasn't Rodriguez putting the team on his back and carrying them against the Galaxy. Like this was a team performance mm-hmm. um, that wasn't that was incredible to watch. So yeah, and I think this is. I mean, I think here's the thing. I think so I've had a conversation with someone, and they had pointed out that like the way that the DPS were playing makes Bob look way worse of a coach than he really is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is that prime example of of give Bob the raw ingredients and he's going to do something good with it. Right. Again, I don't necessarily know of his personality and how he goes about things. And again, sometimes with the structure of the team, which we've harped on for years now, it seems Mm -hmm. even though it's been like a year and a half, um, even though some of those things, I don't think mesh altogether, but in terms of just pure footballing, the guy, the guy is very good at what he does. Right. Yeah. And he's probably one of, one of the, if not the best, you know, of the American coaches, you know, that mm-hmm. we've seen, right. Guys like mm-hmm. Jesse Marsh will make, will make a run at it and probably surpass it given what he's already doing, you know, but again, but Marsh comes from the Bob tree, right. The yeah. guy that played for Bob. Most of them too. Yeah. Except for Bruce. Who <laughs> are the Bruce right. guys. Right. And yeah. so again, but with those two guys, right. When you look at the, how it all kind of lays out, you know, I, I think, I think again, the way that, the way that the roster builds occur in major league soccer can often now skew people's perception of how some of these, how, how good a coach, you know, Bob Bradley is. And then when things click the right way with, with the top of your roster, then you have what Bruce Green is dealing with right in New England right now. And what Bob was dealing with in 2019. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, Sometimes again, no matter your tactical, your tactical, your tactics are going to fall in deaf ears if you can't manage the locker room. And again, I yeah. think maybe yeah. again, whether it's you know, and I, I don't necessarily put that on all on Bob. I think part of that is on the front office for not making the moves when they needed to. Um, and then again, it it puts now the onus on Bob to try and you know get this guy to produce when he's his heart is really not in it. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I think that's the that's the Mark Anthony K situation this year, right? Where mm-hmm. you have a guy who has been good, who has the quality, who's worried about his future, and the team says, "Hey, look, it's you know you're never going to bring in a big contract with us," and his form drops off as a result. Um, and I, I do agree with you that this is the kind of sign that you can point to as Bob can Bob can put it together. Um, can he still get through to this existing team once those other 14 guys come back? I don't know. I, I still don't know. But this was a positive sign for him tonight. Um, okay. Chris goes on. Two more things and then I'm done. I know I'm late to this party, but Mamadou Fall, you officially have my attention. And two, I'm, a fi- I'm going to throw a bit of cold water on tonight and say that, wow, this was impressive. It's only one win. Let's keep this going for the rest of the season. Certainly have to keep it up. Mamadou Fall has everybody's attention after after tonight. Again, uh, he could very well end up being player of the week uh, yeah. for the league. So, all right. Uh, artist formerly known as Danny Ness. Love those three at the back. Josh, is it time for us to eat crow on the three-man three, three man back line? Uh, no, I'm I'm going to say this was a five at the back because it was what made it successful. Okay. <laughs> because nice truly, like, because here's the thing: when yeah, we yeah. played, when we played a true three at the back with with the midfield and, and those wing backs flying forward, we haven't looked that great. Yeah, yeah. Right? Versus this five at the back where we have we have Edwards and Blessing just pinch in and just annoy people defensively, while the mm-hmm. three the three guys at the back can now operate as you know a little bit more cautiously, right? Because you didn't see them really carry all that often, right? The yeah. way we, when they're in that three, that three, five, two in the, in the past, right? You would see, you know, the right and left center backs carrying the ball forward, doing a bunch of stuff. Wouldn't see that very much at all tonight, right? And it was yeah. five at the back, bunker in, find, find Atwest in the middle, let him dictate, you know, flow the ball outside. And then it's a huge diagonal to the feet of yeah. Duke, who now yeah. threads it through. It's mm-hmm. you know again seems simple easier said than done but I think again I this is I'm still not in the camp of when we are at full strength that three the five of the back is our best you know or three of the yeah. back is our best formation I still think the four three three or the four two three one is probably our best bet four I would probably actually prefer a four two three one than a four three three mm-hmm. again it's a bit semantics bit of semantics but I like having that double pivot because I don't necessarily trust neither Atuesta or Janela or whoever is playing alongside, you know, and it gives, yeah. you know, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure that Atuesta is best served in a, in a single pivot in the yeah. double. I feel, it feels a little, it lets him be a little bit more of a shuttler. And then if you have a guy like Latif next to him, who can just clean it up even better. I wouldn't mind seeing it run out one time. I mean, Bob. How often has Bob changed his formation at halftime, from like a four man to a to a three man back line? Like, run out a four two three one with the same midfield from tonight. Put Rodriguez and Vela on opposing wings and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to happen though. Okay, that all that said, those three tonight, all three center backs played a great game. Tom Camilleri at Bronco Fan seven. I missed the first. I missed the last three home games as I was out of town. My seatmate and I. Uh, we're looking at this lineup going, huh, what if they win this one? Sports, man. Top three moments, Fall's first goal, Fall's second goal, and Graham Zussi standing there holding his junk after Fall's first goal. Uh, 
Zussi had a rough night, and it was it was both fall scoring, and then Duke was hassling him. He uh, Zussi fell on the ball one time, and Duke was still trying to dribble away with it. Uh, there was another time where Duke left a little bit on the on a challenge, and as as play got away from the two of them. Zussi kicks out and and nips Duke in the leg. And you see Bryce just kind of turn around and give him a look like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> quit being so petty. Uh, so that uh, all great moments, I would say, uh, from Tom here. Zussi's slowly falling into the that Kyle Beckerman category now. If he's just old yeah, and yeah. salty and has been yeah. kind of left behind. Um, Except this and- time, L3 fans aren't going to hate him, right? No, yeah. He's I mean, Zussi, right? That's what I'm saying. Whoever just left that call was definitely yeah. not an L Tree fan because they would <laughs> never dare say a bad word yeah, about that yeah. man. No, you can I mean they can hate Beckerman all they want, and most people do and should. Um, but you can't hate Zussi. Nope. All right, here's Lionel Hutz again at from Cheap Seat. Was at the game and they didn't show the replay on the red. Was it a legit red? Couldn't tell in the stadium. Again, for me, there's no question on it. Um it's it's a fair red card. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have just kept it at a yellow, just because you know refs don't like to insert themselves in games all that often. But it's pretty clear to me. Anything on that one, Josh? No, I mean again, ultimately the number one goal of the red card is right is to protect protect the health of the players. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, I think that's your only intent there. And probably your only option given the circumstances. Yeah. Again, the ball the ball is away, is getting away at this point, and he reaches out and grabs Arango's shirt to pull him back and then steps on his leg. Uh, it's bad. All right, the last one. I don't know if I'm going to say this right, so I apologize. The Bacchanal at the Bacchanal. Follows the truth, was in section 124 tonight. So impressive live, such confidence. One of my favorite moments tonight wasn't even the goal. It was him stepping into the midfield to intercept a pass. And he just decides, I'm just going to dribble this. I don't care because nobody's going to stop me. Uh, so mm-hmm. I do agree. I, I I love the confidence that he displays all over the field. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was that first game against SKC where we got beat that I think yeah. I point, I, I point yeah. out to you. I'm going to take full credit on this one, right? But he just looks w- so comfortable with the ball. And the only other defender I can say the same thing about is Eddie Segura, who yeah. at one point I thought was a whole, I think they said he was a holding midfielder before we converted him to he a was, center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, um, would I be, he, to, to be fair, given the way he's playing, he makes Mario a little bit more expendable. Whether do I think that's ultimately what's going to happen? I doubt it. I think what we're likely uh, to see man, is, I hope not. Right, I think the more likely scenario is those three guys will probably play three at the back for a while, and yeah, you know, and be. and I'm probably more okay with it knowing that those are our three than I would be given what we was you know the alternative of of other guys. Yeah, yeah, and again, if, if next year you have all three of them, and Abiga and Tristan Blackman is a guy who can deputize or play right center back, then then okay. I'm okay taking off a, a midfielder or a forward if if it's getting those three on. But anyway. Yep. All right. Well, you got anything else for tonight, Josh? No, I think that's it. Always good okay. to get away with a win. Enjoy it. You know, like I said, we, we probably talked a little bit too long on it other than and not enjoyed this win more on our own. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. All right. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. We will talk to you all after the next game. Thank you for listening. Good night. (laughs) 